The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 10, 11, and 12 as we continue our study um, through this, this letter from the Apostle Peter. We have seen um, over the, the previous nine verses as we've been walking through those together uh, a theme uh, that's been running through these verses, and that is the great theme of salvation. Now, we have learned in these nine verses um, a great deal about salvation. I, I just pick nine things that we've learned about salvation as we've We've studied it over these last uh, few weeks. One, we've learned that um, salvation comes from election according to the foreknowledge of God. We've learned that salvation leads to sanctification and obedience. You you see these in verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling of of His blood. We've learned that salvation comes from the mercy of God. You see that in verse 3, according to His great mercy. That salvation results in our worship of God. You see that in the beginning of verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, um, an overflow of, of praise and worship to God for what He has done. Salvation Results in our worship. Salvation brings new birth. You see that in verse 3. He has caused us to be born again. Salvation gives us a living hope. You see that in verse 3. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ the dead. Salvation secures for us an inheritance. You see that in um, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you in heaven. Salvation fills us with a joy beyond our circumstances. This is where we um, were were looking last week. Um, You see that in verse 6. I can find it. Yes. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. We are filled with, with joy that's greater than our circumstances as a result of our salvation. And then we saw that salvation puts us in a relationship with Christ Jesus. That's these verses 8 and 9. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That salvation is is doing these things. Salvation has done these things. These, These are verses that teach us a great deal about salvation. And this morning, as we look at verses 10, 11, and 12, we're going to continue this study of salvation, and we're going to learn even more glorious truths about salvation. And here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that salvation was prophesied, that salvation is a person, and that salvation... Is preached. Salvation was prophesied, salvation is a person, and salvation was preached. That's going to be this week. Our plans were to continue going and look at how um, 
It also means that we should be prepared, and that is um, beginning there in verse 13. But because we've got the business speeding, we're going to work to keep it a little shorter this morning. Salvation was prophesied, salvation is a person, and salvation was preached. The first thing we see from these texts in verses 10, 11, and 12 is that salvation was prophesied. If you would look with me, starting in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Paul begins, or Peter begins in verse 10 by saying, Concerning this salvation. Concerning this salvation. What salvation? It's all of the salvation that's been talked about up until this point. This has been the theme of verses 1 through 9. And now Peter says, concerning this salvation. Now we we see this salvation mentioned in verse 5. You see it mentioned in verse 9. You see it mentioned in verse uh, 10. That's why I say there's a common theme that's running through these verses, and that is salvation. Concerning this salvation, this salvation that comes from the foreknowledge of God, that does all of these things we've been talking about, this salvation, this is what Christianity is about. It's about salvation. Christianity is not just about rules. It's not just about regulations. It's not just about services. It's not about a better life here on this earth. It's not about being moral. It's not about being Republican. Christianity is about salvation. And that's what it's always been about. Not only is salvation the theme of of these text that we've been looking at, salvation is the grand theme of the Bible. It is the common theme of the Bible. And it is vitally important for us to understand that there is a common theme of the Bible. Now, you must know, and I must know, and we must believe, and we must see, and we must understand that there is unity in the Scriptures. Even though what we hold in our hands, what you hold in your laps, was written by some 40 authors over hundreds of years through generations, there is a common theme. There is one unity that this book has. And that is, is that God is creating a people to show His glory to and to show His glory through. This book shows us, teaches us, unveils to us how it is God, by His grace and His mercy, is creating for Himself a people, how He is calling out for Himself a 
people that he can show his glory to and show his glory through, and that comes by the means of salvation. This book is about how God will save his people. The whole thing from beginning to end. There's unity in the scripture. This is what Peter's teaching us in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. What God was doing in and through the prophets was slowly revealing his plan for salvation. That's what Peter's telling us. Concerning this salvation, this salvation that comes from the foreknowledge of God, that by His great mercies calls us to be born again, that gives us a living hope, that puts us in relationship with God. This salvation is the salvation that the prophets prophesied about. This grace that is ours in Jesus Christ is the grace that the prophets prophesied about. That man in sin is deserving of nothing but punishment. But in spite of that, God, because of the riches of His grace, has done something to rescue us. The Bible is about what God has done. What God has done. And this is what the prophets were getting glimpses into. And these prophets... And the scriptures tell us what they received from God by way of revelation. And then they themselves searched, Peter says, and inquired carefully about this revelation that was given to them. Here's what that means. That means that they received from God direct revelation. They relayed that, proclaimed that to the people of God. But yet they themselves did not fully understand its meaning. They couldn't fully see the big picture. And so they pursued the meaning of their own prophetic writing to know all that they could about God's promised salvation. It's, the way this makes sense to me is, is that history... And the Bible and all that God is doing is um, a, a, a big, grand, glorious jigsaw puzzle full of all these different pieces. And each prophet, each prophecy that was given throughout the Old Testament was a piece of that puzzle. And as those, those prophets received that prophecy, as they received that revelation from God, they could see the peace, but they, they were working to fit all of these pieces together, right? They couldn't see the grand picture. They couldn't see what this, this puzzle was laying out before them, but they knew they had a piece in it. And so they searched and inquired about how all of this fits together, and Peter tells us what they wanted to fully know was this grace. This grace that was to be ours. They searched and inquired carefully about it. 
Don't you just love the way that Peter puts that? The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Yours. All that they prophesied about, all that they sought to understand, we now have. It's ours. It wasn't theirs. It's, it's ours. Now, that does not mean that the Old Testament prophets did not know the grace of God. Because you can read that and you could, it could seem like the Old Testament prophets didn't know the grace of God, right? Because they're searching to inquire about this grace of God that was to be yours. Meaning they didn't understand the grace of God. They did understand the grace of God. Exodus 34 verse 6, the Lord passed before and proclaimed, this is to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's saying, this is who I am. I am a God who is gracious. I'm a God who's slow to anger. I'm gracious towards my people. That's who God is. That is who God has always been, right? God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has always been a gracious God. And the Old Testament prophets received from God grace. But not the kind of grace that we know. Not the kind of grace that, that we believe in. You see, God was gracious in the Old Testament to those who believed Him and trusted in Him. He was gracious towards them. This is Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Right? So it is... By faith, the people of old received from God commendation. That commendation is grace. It was through faith that the prophets of the Old Testament received from God grace. It was by faith. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things yet unseen, the things that are not seen. They couldn't see it fully, yet they trusted God in faith, and God was gracious to, towards them. That's, that's Hebrews eleven thirteen. We pick up there. From, from verse 2 to verse 13, there is just the roll call of Old Testament uh, prophets and people that, that God was gracious towards. And how it was... By faith that they were saved, ultimately. And Hebrews 13 says that these all died in faith. Not having received the things promised. That's this grace of God that is ours. That's this prophecy that's been given. That there is a Savior to come. Not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They could only see it from a, from a distance in pieces. We see it up close and personal, the great and grand glorious full picture. They saw them, they greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Peter tells us that these Old Testament prophets searched and inquired and looked from afar to understand the salvation that was prophesied. That they couldn't get the full picture. They didn't understand it. Because there was 
one piece yet missing, right? The one piece that puts it all together. The one piece that makes everything clear. Jesus Christ. Because the piece that brings all of this together in clarity is the person of Jesus Christ. Because not only is the salvation prophesied, but this salvation is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Look again in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. These Old Testament prophets were searching and inquiring about what person it is that would come. They understand these prophecies that were given to them that God would ultimately and eventually send a Savior for the salvation of His people. That the way God is going to save His people is through a person. And so they searched and they inquired and they searched so that they could know who is this person? Who is this one that's promised? And when is He coming? They had pieces. Pieces that were given to them by the Spirit of Christ in them. Did you see that in, in verse 11? Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So they're, they're receiving prophecy from the Spirit of Christ about the Christ who would come and who would suffer and die and ultimately be glorified. So they're searching to figure this out because they're receiving revelation from the Spirit of Christ. It was the Spirit of Christ that was giving them insight about the person of Christ. Now, you might read this and you might think, well, wait a minute, Jason. I thought it was the Holy Spirit that inspired the writers of the Bible. Right? I mean, that's what we've always been taught. The Holy Spirit inspired the, the authors of the Bible to, to write the Bible. It was the Holy Spirit that, that gave them this revelation. And if you believe that, then I'm here to tell you, you are absolutely right. And Peter is absolutely right. It was the Spirit of Christ. So what does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are the same person. This is what just leaps off the page in this text. Great Trinitarian truth. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... All one. All the same person. That the, the Holy Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And it was the Spirit of Christ that was at work in the Old Testament. Now what does that mean? That means that Christ Jesus is eternal. 
and that he is inseparable from the Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I love that. This is, this is Peter in, in 1 Peter saying these men spoke from God as they were given utterance through the Spirit of Christ. And then in 2 Peter, it's the Holy Spirit. This is just cementing the fact that the Holy Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are the, are the same. Now, why, why do we even you know, spend the time to talk about that? Because history has proven that this is... This is a a point and a truth in which the church has experienced division. This is a point and a truth in which the church today still experiences division. And there are some that will say, well, the word Trinity does not exist in the Bible, so I don't believe in the Trinity. And it doesn't. But the truths and the evidences that God is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are full in the Bible. And this is just one example. That when you read the Scriptures carefully, you can begin to see and you can begin to understand that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, they are the same person. And that it was the Spirit of Christ that was at work in the Old Testament. Testament. This speaks to the eternality of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was in the beginning. As John tells us, the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was in the beginning. And everything that was made was made through Him and was made for Him. That Jesus has eternally existed. He has no beginning. And Jesus was God's plan all along. The fact that this person that would suffer and subsequently be glorified was prophesied means that Jesus Christ was God's plan all along. Not only is this salvation prophesied, but this salvation was planned by God. Look at uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, talking of Jesus. That he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Here's what that means. That Jesus was known before the foundations of the world. He existed. And God had planned that Jesus Christ would come to rescue his people through suffering to the point of death and being raised from the dead to new life so that we could be born again to new life and given a living hope. This was God's plan the entire time. This wasn't a reaction. Oh no, Adam and Eve blew it. What are we going to do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. No, God had before the foundation of the world planned, foreknown Jesus to come and to suffer. And to die. To be raised again. That by faith we might be born again. 
that's been made manifest. That's been made clear in these last times for our sake. Because who, through him, are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, glory that your faith and hope are in God. I want you to, to understand this. This salvation was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was prophesied that a person would come at a certain time and save God's people. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. This was planned all along. That a person would come. And they search and they inquire about who this person is. Because everything, all of history, and all of God's word has moved towards the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ stands at the center of everything. Jesus Christ stands at the center of God's plan. Jesus Christ stands at the center of God's word. Everything was moving towards him and his work on the cross. He stands at the center. This is what Paul means in Colossians 1 when he says that he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the piece of the puzzle that makes everything come together. Jesus is how God would go about reconciling sinful people unto himself. Jesus is how God would reestablish relationships that were broken by sin. Jesus is the way. This is Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. How? How has he done this? By making known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery that was hidden from the prophets of, of old as they searched and inquired because they couldn't fully see and they couldn't fully understand because it's a, it's a mystery. But he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth earth. Church, Jesus is the answer to all of the Old Testament questions. Amen. How is God doing this? Who is God using to do this? When is God going to do this? 
Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to every question of life because Jesus stands at the center. He is the person. He is the plan. From before time began of how God would create a people to show his glory to and to show his glory through. It's all about Jesus. That's what Peter's telling us. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It's all about Jesus. And it's this message preached that saves Not only is this salvation prophesied, not only is this salvation a person, but this salvation is what's been preached. It's what's been preached. Pick up in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but they're serving you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. These prophets didn't fully understand. They didn't fully know. They received from God direct revelation. They they put their piece in the puzzle. They could see all that had come before. They could see what was given to them, but they didn't fully know But one thing they did know is that they weren't just serving themselves, but instead they're serving us. They understand their role as a piece in the puzzle that God is, is using to bring about this great plan of salvation. They weren't just serving themselves because they didn't fully see it. They're serving us so that now we can look and see from the beginning of time to the end how God has been working through the person of Jesus Christ. Their service wasn't just for them. Their service was for us. So that we could hear and believe. That's what they were doing. Receiving from God. Giving it to the people of God. So that we could hear and believe. All the way from the Old Testament. This is what Jesus did. On the road to Emmaus as he's walking with these disciples who've left Jerusalem with their hearts saddened at the death of Jesus. Jesus appears. These people are confused. This guy, they don't know who Jesus is and they're confused. He doesn't know what's been going on in, in Jerusalem. And so they tell him, And then Jesus, in verse 25, says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Like all you had to do was believe what the prophets said. And you would have known the truth. You would have believed the truth. You would have known that I had to suffer and I had to die. That's what they prophesied. All you had to believe was what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer 
these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. And all this has been about him. Now, as I read that, I'm convicted. Because here's what that means. That means that I should be able to communicate the gospel to a person only using the Old Testament. Amen. That's tough. I mean, think about that. Could you do that? Only using the Old Testament. Concerning the prophets, concerning Moses, you open up the Word of God even in the Old Testament and clearly show it's the man Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did. And this is what's been preached. We see that in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 17. And he came. And he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access and one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints. And you're members of the household of God that's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Everything that was prophesied centers on him. He's the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's what's been preached. Jesus came and preached it. The apostles preached it. Disciples have preached it. It's been proclaimed and it's been preached all the way from Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to this place today in Calera. It's what's been preached. And that's how we are saved. That's how this salvation comes. It comes through the preaching, through the proclamation of Jesus Christ, prophesied in the Old Testament, made clear in these last days. It's through preaching we are saved. Romans 10 for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then they will call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's through preaching that people are saved. That's why this is important. Because it's through preaching that people are saved. That's why, Lord willing, you're here to, to hear and for your belief to be strengthened, to hear and for the first time believe. That's why your teenagers sit in this room and we don't separate them out. So we want them to hear. Because it's through hearing that you're saved. You can't believe if you don't hear. You can't be saved if you don't hear. This truth, this gospel, this salvation has to be preached. It has to be heard. It has to be believed. That's why this is important. This is why you should go into the world and open your mouths. Because you have 
to proclaim the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that salvation only comes in a worship service where there's a preacher preaching. This, this how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone preaches? That's, that's not this formal act of preaching. That's proclamation, sharing, telling the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why you have to go into the world and open your mouths. People will not be saved just by watching you live. They can be confused, but they will not be saved because they can't put the pieces together unless they hear. Unless you tell them, I live this way because of Jesus Christ. Let me explain. In the beginning, sin came. And sin separated us from God. The people of God were separated from God without a way to be made right before God because sin brings death and separation. And so God began a plan that was prophesied throughout the whole Old Testament that there would be one who would come and who would live a perfect life, a holy life because we're unable to, but yet would die a sinner's death even though he wasn't sinful. But then by power be raised from the dead so that all who believe in him might be given a new life where their sin isn't held against them, where their relationship with God is restored. That's through the person and the work of of Jesus Christ. The reason why I live this way is because God has caused me to live differently through Jesus Christ. They can't put the pieces together unless they hear that. That's why you have to open your mouth. We have to preach the good news. We do that by pointing to Jesus. Now... Don't be creepy doing that. Because there's a lot of people who are going to open their mouth and preach the gospel and they're just creepy about it. God doesn't call us to be creepy. He calls us to be different. Don't be disingenuous. That never did a thing to save somebody. You used to be a, a deacon at a church I served at, and you'd say, how are you doing today? And he'd say, Jesus. I don't even know what that means. Like, that's disingenuous. I, you may really and honestly believe that you're doing good because of Jesus, but, but say that, right? We can be real. We can be who we are. And we can look at the hurt of people. And we can look at our own hurt and not pretend like it's not there. Not pretend like it doesn't matter. But speak to it about how Jesus is the answer. There are people all around us who are hurting. People all around us who have questions, who are wondering why life is the way it is. Why their life is the way it is. And here we are with the answers to life, yet we don't open our mouths to share it. But as we love people, are in relationships with people, and see the hurts of people, and speak into the hurts, we point Jesus as the answer. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. That's why this matters. Because salvation comes through hearing. And here's what you have to do, church. 
You have to trust that it's the Holy Spirit that will carry you through. Did you see that in our text today, verse 12? It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but to you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. That when I was saved, yes, it came from the mouth of a preacher, but it was the Holy Spirit that took it and brought it to me. And as I stand here today and preach, I'm utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit taking it and putting it in the hearts of His people. It's the Holy Spirit that that carries us through. We have to believe that. Because if we don't believe that, then we are we're, we're petrified, immobilized with fear. Well, I'm not saying anything. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I, I'm just going to sound creepy. But if we trust that it's the Holy Spirit that's taking what's proclaimed and what's preached and is bringing it to them so that they can believe, then we have boldness to proclaim. It was given to us, the good news, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Listen, church, God will help you in your proclamation. You just have to trust Him. You just have to trust Him. Now, then we get to this last phrase. And it's a pretty amazing one. Concerning this salvation, things into which... Angels long to look. Now, what is that, right? You see, these things, things in which angels long to look, these things, this is salvation. And the scriptures tell us that what God is doing for us What God is doing in us is so grand and so glorious and so marvelous and so great and so mysterious that even the angels long to look and to know. This is what John MacArthur says on this, is that the holy... that that. The angels have a holy curiosity to understand the kind of grace that they will never experience. This isn't that the angels don't know salvation or they don't know Jesus Christ. They do. They were created by him. They were created for him. They sing praises to him. They go at his command. What they don't know, what they can't understand, what they long to look at, to experience, is the kind of grace that we've been given from God. Because holy angels don't need grace, right? Because they're holy. And fallen angels can never receive God's grace. 
So angels, which are great and glorious beings, right? They're not little naked babies. Y'all know that, right? They're warriors. They are great. They are grand. They are glorious, right? And they're mysterious, and, and it's a little trippy even talking about them, right? And they see things, and they experience things in the spiritual realm that, that we don't have a clue about. One day we will. We'll see. But right now, we don't know. And we can think of angels and think of them how amazing that is. But yet, They long to experience what we experience. They long to know the grace that we know. How cool is that? You know what that tells me? That tells me we should never take the grace of God for granted. Isn't it amazing that the angels in heaven are up there going, Oh, if we could only know, if we could only experience the grace of God like you've experienced. This is what Peter's telling us. That they're longing to know it. Meanwhile, we're down here like, oh yeah, salvation, no big deal. Don't take for granted what God has done. Don't take for granted this great salvation that was prophesied, that is a person that's been preached. Don't take for granted that salvation. Don't let the wonder of it all be lost. Don't stop being amazed by the unity of the scriptures. Generations upon generations upon generations, authors after authors after authors, places after places after places, all unified together in one person. Don't stop marveling at the plan of God from the beginning and how he's been faithful to work that plan out for our good and for his glory. Find amazement at the grace of God given to you and tell people about it. How do you know if you take salvation for granted? You know you take it for granted if you never tell another person about it. Because if it still floors you that God in his grace has saved you, that God's been merciful towards you, that God's forgiven your sins, that God's reunited you with him, that God's caused you to be born again, that God chose you before the foundation of the world when you didn't deserve it, that God began this good work in you and God will bring this good work to completion. If, if, if that doesn't floor you, you're not going to tell anybody about it. But if that still weighs heavy on you, if that still amazes you, if that's still fresh on you, you can't help but tell people about it. You can't help but tell people about it. That's this salvation, a salvation that was prophesied, a salvation that is a person, a salvation that was preached and we believed. Now, this salvation, all of that, it causes some things to take place. And that's where we'll be next week. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.